0: Hello, I'm Ken Sandberg.
1: And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler.
0: Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf.
1: Weather is here, and so it's campfire fire weather.
0: Campfire weather's here. It
1: is. It's it's sleeping with the windows open, putting on a sweater, layers, it's
0: setting just, fires in the living room.
1: That's what we do, you know, <laughs> until we can afford an apartment where we have a fire pit in the back. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Until then, until then, we'll just keep burning books in the living room.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what the. Fuck? What was
0: that? I don't know. You <laughs> say things. That was
1: dark and, as hell. You say
0: things, and I say things, and you say things, and then I say something creepy or offensive. Just that's that's the ev- way. That is how this entire podcast works. That's very true. And then true. usually, if it's really offensive, I edit it out so no one hears it.
1: Well, I will say I'm just gonna like follow. We have never burned a book. I have burned letters from a certain politician. And stuff, but I've never burned an actual book. Yeah, so it's fire weather, and it's uh, it's it's nice. I have
0: a very important question for our listeners that mm. I would love to get answers to, um, because it's campfire weather.
1: Yeah.
0: Campfires often come hand in hand with roasting marshmallows. Mm. So my question is, what is your favorite way? to roast a marshmallow or to consume a roasted marshmallow are you a uh are you a slash and burn kind of stick it in the fire let it flame up and and harden and caramelize and then blow out hopefully blow out the fire before you eat it um, or Are a you a fire eater
1: and that's like a, a party trick
0: <laughs> are you a uh take time and be super finicky and annoying and and perfectly golden brown (laughs) roast the thing over only low coals uh are you a marshmallows only person are you a you'll only do it if there's also chocolate and graham crackers person so uh let us know what how do you roast your marshmallows and eat them
1: yeah i'll uh we'll talk about it next time because i don't want to influence anyone. all right right. but i i have an ideal and then i i have the perfect and then i have like the like dream (laughs)
0: Great. So, so dream
1: big. Dream big as you're roasting your marshmallows.
0: So you have that to look forward to. Yeah. Are you a person who likes to um, soak their marshmallow in absinthe before roasting it so that you get that really nice caramelized hallucinogenic alcohol in your marshmallow?
1: All right. You sprinkle
0: gold dust <laughs> on it or into the fire. Apparently, I'm having one of those nights. I don't know.
1: Oh, I think you need more of your your. So we're we're recording at night again, and if anyone tuned into last week's episode, we got a little silly because we have cocktails yeah. tonight. We... So I have my I have my I'm a wine girl. Anyone who actually knows me in person knows that very early on, um, in my alcohol consumption years of like probably like my early 20s is when I first found red wine. <laughs> Or white wine or rose. And I, I just like it a lot. So I'm drinking a nice cab salve. Um and Ken has made a Kentucky mule. He's yep. he loves a mule.
0: A good mule. I like it's in the
1: copper mugs I get you for your birthday. Yeah,
0: it's the it's the ginger beer. It's tasty. Yeah.
1: Speaking of birthdays, your birthday's next week. It is. In ten days. Yeah. So ten... um uh, yeah, it's ten days. It's the Jeebus. second. Yeah. So Ken's birthday is October twelfth. And he's gonna be thirty-five years old. Yeah, I told them. It's okay. I just turned thirty-eight.
0: Yeah, I I know, which is why you should <gasps> know that 36. you're wrong.
1: <laughs> you are thirty-five. I am thirty-five
0: right now. I have See, been thirty-five for damn close to a
1: year. You know what? Um, I'm gonna chalk that up to the fact that my parents and uh, I and my sister have decided this year birthdays don't count because no one can actually have like a birthday party and celebrate properly um, unless you were born before like March before 18, March 12 basically. Um, so this year birthdays don't count. Quarantine birthdays don't count, so I'm still 37, and you will remain 35.
0: So congratulations <laughs> to uh, everyone who just has celebrated that. an unbirthday this year. Yeah,
1: a very unhappy birthday, is it not? You know, it's, it's a
0: very merry unbirthday.
1: <laughs> I just took it to the dark place. Oh, a very merry unbirthday. <laughs>
0: Good lord. I can't I, take you goddamn anywhere.
1: I saw Disney movies in a very different light, apparently. That's how I remember them. Dark as hell. I mean, they are. They are dark as hell. I mean, I watch them now, and I'm like, my parents let me watch this? Crazy.
0: Why are all of the mothers dead?
1: It's very true. Like, Yeah, no, that's hooked
0: up. Right, shut up, Alan. Nobody asked Alan you. Alan the
1: Demon Dinosaur. I hope you all got to watch the video. If you have not seen the video I made, Um, I had a day where I found a new program and I found it has a video thing. So I got to make a like freaking ridiculous video. It's just a bunch of like GIFs and memes. (laughs) Like it's ridiculous. And I was laughing for a solid two hours making it. And I still watch it like days later and I still find it funny. So if you find it even like, Uh, like half or like a quarter as funny as I do I think you'll enjoy it it's really important
0: it's really important to be able to laugh at your own jokes
1: it really (laughs) hey if I don't think I'm funny then nobody else is gonna I guess uh, enjoy that Alan the Demon Dinosaur Um,
0: alright so I think it's time we jump into the story uh, do some stuff but first uh, I need to print a brief retraction Last week's story, size in Marvel. <laughs> uh last week I said that the story was written, published in eighteen ninety-three. I was mistaken. Eighteen ninety-three is when it was first published in a short story collection called Grim Tales by Edith Nesbitt. Uh however, in December of eighteen eighty-seven uh, it was published in an issue of Home Chimes Magazine. So, not 1893, Home 1897. Chimes. So, what am I reading today?
1: You will be reading a new author tonight, Algernon Blackwood's okay. The Wood of the Dead. Because it's spooky season! <laughs> Alright, so Algernon Blackwood was actually recommended to us by, um, by two people, actually. Um, neither of them recommended this story. They recommended longer stories and or just read that person. So uh, I want to give a shout out to Jay Burritt from the Thinking Horror page on Facebook. Jay Burritt, And to Mary Ann Bokken, B-O-K-K-O-N. Yeah, Mary Ann. Um, on, also on Thinking Horror. So two people on that uh, group recommended Mr. Blackwood. And I know nothing about him. Never even heard of him. And wow, he had a fascinating life. So I'm going to tell you a little about this. So this story was first published in um, a collection of short stories called The Empty House in 1906. Um, Algernon Blackwood um, was born on March 14th. So he would have just been in quarantine. Uh, (laughs) First quarantine birthday, uh, 1869.
0: All right, so he didn't get to celebrate his one hundred and fifty-first birthday because it was He is not still
1: alive. Um, he was actually uh, he passed away on December tenth, nineteen fifty-one. So he had a nice long life, um, and yeah, at eighty-two, which back then, I mean, that was, that was a that's a good old time. Um, <laughs> and he's fascinating so i'm going to read you some fun facts so he was born in shooters hill which uh used to be a part uh, it's a part of southeast london used to be known as kent um so you probably heard that in like old movies um and he was educated at wellington college his dad was a post office administrator um and was considered to be uh not devoid of genuine good-heartedness and had appallingly narrow religious ideas according to a friend Um, (laughs) um, and his father read the works of a hindu sage um and blackwood found that and also read it and he developed an interest very early on in his life in buddhism and other eastern philosophies Okay. But, yeah so um, that actually plays a lot into his life um, he ended up doing many many things he was uh, a dairy farmer in Canada <laughs> where he also operated a hotel for six months uh, he Naturally. was a newspaper reporter in New York City he was a bartender a model and a journalist for the New York Times a private secretary a businessman and a violin a violin teacher. <laughs> <laughs> So he was a man about town. He was working. You you would think he was an actor with all those jobs. He was a jack of all trades. He was. He, like, figured it out. So um, throughout his adult life, he was an essayist for periodicals. But in his late 30s, he moved back to England and started writing short stories about the supernatural, which is where we meet him. Um, He was quite successful. He wrote 14 novels, several children's books, and a number of plays most of which were produced. Um, Not all the plays were published, but they were all produced. Um, He was a lover of nature and the outdoors, as many of the stories reflect, and kind of goes back to his Eastern philosophy, Buddhism um, ideals. So to satisfy his um, interest in the supernatural, he joined the Ghost Club, which is something I was fast fascin- I was like what is that? On like the wikipedia page where I'm like researching him. I was like that's a clickable link. I'm checking that out. The Ghost Club is a paranormal investigation and research organization founded in London in 1862 and is widely believed to be the oldest such organization in the world. So So it's still operating? It's still operating and Algernon Blackwood was a part of it. Awesome. Um And since 1862, it has primarily investigated ghosts and hauntings. So he was part of the original Ghost Hunters, (laughs) Um, which is fascinating. Um, He was a combination of mystic and outdoorsman. When he wasn't steeping himself in occultism, he was likely skiing or mountain climbing. (laughs) So basically, a, I want to be this man's friend.
0: He was, he, 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 it sounds like he was, if Ron Swanson was one of the Ghostbusters.
1: Yes. Oh my God. If, oh my God. And now I want Nick Offerman to be in a remake of Ghostbusters. Like hardcore. Nick Offerman, if you're listening, which we know you are, uh, get that going. Um, so some connections to him through people we know. Um his best known stories are The Willows, which is the one that um Jay, uh, Jay recommended, recommended yep. which is quite long. So if we do a long episode, we will check that out. Um and The Wendigo. The Wendigo? The Wendigo. The Wendigo? Wendigo the wendigo (laughs) the willows and the wendigo which sounds like a new version of wind and the willows the willows and the wendigo
0: or like a horrifying version of the lion the witch and the wardrobe yes
1: like a really dark one um so lovecraft h.p lovecraft included blackwood in one of the modern masters in a section um of that name uh in the supernatural horrors in literature uh Authors who've been influenced by Black- Blackwood and have said they use his work as inspiration are William Hope Hodgson, uh, George Allen England, H.P. Lovecraft, um, L. Adams Beck, which is the pen name for Elizabeth Louisa Moresbury, <laughs> so now I'm interested in that, okay. <laughs> and uh, Evangeline Walton. So, uh, in the first draft of his essay, Notes on the Normanclature of the Lord of the Rings, jrr tolkien stated that he derived the phrase crack of doom from an unnamed story by algernon blackwood all right and in the ps4 game until dawn so all you gamers out there the main setting is named blackwood pines as the main antagonist is wendigo so all you gamers guess what you like Algernon Blackwood? Even you didn't know it. <laughs> so there we go. All right. So you will be reading *The Wood of the Dead* by Algernon Blackwood. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's start that fire. Oh, it's so nice, chilly and
0: polish. It's a good fire. It's a nice one. It's crackling.
1: Ooh, I want to get my marshmallows.
0: Man, the art of the deal burns really nicely.
1: <laughs> I just spit out some wine, y'all. <laughs> you timed that so well. Okay.
0: <laughs> what can I say? I'm comedic genius. The Wood of the Dead by Elgernon Blackwood. One summer, in my wanderings with a knapsack... I was at luncheon in the room of a wayside inn in the western country when the door opened and there entered an old rustic who crossed close to my end of the table and sat himself down very quietly in the seat by the bow window. We exchanged glances, or properly speaking, nods, for at the moment I did not actually raise my eyes to his face so concerned was I with the important business of satisfying an appetite gained by tramping 12 miles over a difficult country.
1: Yay. So, one thing I didn't say that I read about is, like, because he was such an outdoorsman, he often, his protagonists were, like, outdoors people. So, there it is. There it is. So, he's out hiking and mountain climbing and doing his thing, and he's in a pub Eating his food.
0: Hiking and doing his thing, unless in this case, and we'll probably find out through context clues, tramping means something else. <laughs> I do well, feel like I
1: bet you'd work up an appetite I tramping do feel too. like
0: twelve miles of tramping is a lot of tramping.
1: I mean, that's like pro level. <laughs>
0: A fine warm rain of seven o'clock, which had since risen in the kind of luminous mist about the treetops, now floated far overhead in the deep blue sky, and the day was settling down into a blaze of golden light. It was one of those days peculiar to Somerset and North Devon, when the orchards shine and the meadows seem to add a radiance of their own so brilliantly soft are the colorings of grass and foliage. The innkeeper's daughter, a little maiden with a simple country loveliness, presently entered with a foaming pewter mug, inquired after my welfare, and went out again. Apparently, she had not noticed the old man sitting in the settle by the bow window, nor had he, for his part, so much as once turned his head in our direction.
1: So wait, did she just come out with a beer and left with it? (laughs) Or did she leave it? Said the innkeeper's daughter, came out with a foaming mug, and then went on her business.
0: (laughs) Walked out with a foaming mug of beer, said, Hey! How you doing? What's up? And then drank the beer as she walked out of the
1: room. <laughs> she's like, God, being the innkeeper's daughter's rough. <laughs> I only got eight miles of tramping in today.
0: What's funny about that is that um, uh, we're, we're going to find in in about two paragraphs here that she's six years old, downing that foaming mug of beer.
1: I hope you're wrong. <laughs>
0: that, that, I'm certain that's not true.
1: I don't know. Uh, when I lived in England uh, as a child-
0: You got served beer by six-year-olds? <laughs>
1: You know what? That did not happen, but the the drinking age was optional there. (laughs) Let's just say that. If you were in your local pub and you wanted to get a beer for your, like, 12-year-old kid who was with you at dinner, you could (laughs) have.
0: Under ordinary circumstances, I should probably have given no thought to this other occupant of the room, But the fact that it was supposed to be reserved for my private use and the singular thing that he sat looking aimlessly out the window with no attempt to engage me in conversation drew my eyes more than once somewhat curiously upon him and I soon caught myself wondering why he sat there so silently and always with averted head.
1: Oh, damn. He's creepin'.
0: That entire paragraph was one sentence. This is a guy who does not enjoy periods.
1: Do any of us really? (laughs) Sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He was, I saw, a rather bent old man in rustic dress and the skin of his face was wrinkled like that of an apple. Corduroy trousers were caught up with a string below the knee, and he wore a sort of brown fustian jacket that was very much faded. His thin hand rested upon a stoutish stick. He wore no hat and carried none, and I noticed that his head, covered with silvery hair, was finely shaped and gave the impression of something noble.
1: So he looks like a of the hobo vagabond, but very, silver Fox. But, you
0: know, yeah. Yeah. It's Richard Gere as a hobo.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm in. <laughs> Keep going.
0: Though rather piqued by his studied disregard of my presence, I came to the conclusion that he probably had something to do with the little hostel and had a perfect right to use this room with freedom, and I finished my luncheon without breaking the silence and then took the settle opposite to smoke a pipe before going on my way.
1: Dude, before you smoke, at least be like, hey, is this cool? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you don't just say hi, I get it, you're there on your own, but like... I know it's a different time, I know that it was like nothing, but like, still, I mean, it's just like- I learned
0: just, last week, don't smoke!
1: Yeah, right? I mean, <laughs> if you have not listened to episode 15 yet, you will realize that it's just a long story about not wow. smoking.
0: <laughs> Through the open window came the sense of the blossoming fruit trees. The orchard was drenched in sunshine, and the branches danced lazily in the breeze. The grass below fairly shone with white and yellow daisies, and the red roses climbing in profusion over the casement mingled their perfume with the sweetly penetrating odor of the sea.
1: Oh my god, that's my dream.
0: (laughs) It was a place to dawdle in. To lie and dream away a whole afternoon, watching the sleepy butterflies and listening to the chorus of birds which seemed to fill every corner of the sky. Indeed, I was already debating in my mind whether to linger and enjoy it all instead of taking the strenuous pathway over the hills, when the old rustic in the settle opposite suddenly turned his face towards me for the first time and began to speak
1: oh damn <clears throat> here he comes
0: his voice had a quiet dreamy note in it that was quite in harmony with the day and the scene but it sounded far away i thought almost as though it came to me from outside, where the shadows were weaving their eternal tissue of dreams upon the garden floor. Moreover, there was no trace in it of the rough quality one might naturally have expected, and now that I saw the full face of the speaker for the first time, I noted... With something like a start that the deep, gentle eyes seemed far more in keeping with the timber of the voice than with the rough and very countrified appearance of the clothes and manner.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Countrified.
0: Dear readers, the word countrified has an O in it.
1: (laughs) Not in my head, it doesn't. I'm not reading. (laughs) That's my new favorite insult. Please tell me Uh, what
0: a countrified outfit would look like.
1: um, It would definitely, definitely be something along the lines of what the students at the University of Iowa walk around in um, when it's like 10 below zero and they're going to the bars at 2 in the morning. (laughs) Anyone who's ever been to a college town or grew up in one or went to college and saw those girls or was one of those girls at times... I had my moments back in the day. Um, I definitely dressed a little countrified.
0: <laughs> welcome to the University of Iowa. Hashtag countrified.
1: You know what? They were the number one party school for many years in a row. <laughs> so uh, they would accept it and <clears throat> welcome it gladly. <laughs> I broke Ken. <laughs> I broke him. <laughs>
0: Hey, guys, what you doing? How's the story going? Fuck off, Alan.
1: (laughs) Alan, you know what cuntified
0: means. Yeah, I know what that means. It means... Yeah, I just bleeped all that out. That was really offensive, Alan.
1: Wow, (laughs) Alan. Wow.
0: His voice set pleasant waves of sound in motion towards me, and the actual words, if I remember rightly, were you are a stranger in these parts or is not this part of the country strange to you Hmm. there was no sir nor any outward and visible sign of the deference usually paid by real country folk to the town-bred visitor but in its place a gentleness almost a sweetness of polite sympathy that was far more of a compliment than either.
1: So he, this cut, this guy that's all dressed like, like he's a farmer basically, talks like he's from the city, like he's a gentleman.
0: Yeah, okay. or at least very, very. Um, yeah. Southern hospitality, yeah. like that idea. Even
1: though they're in England.
0: Even they're in England. <laughs> Lots of places have a south.
1: That's very true. England does have a south.
0: I answered that I was wandering on foot through a part of the country that was wholly new to me, and that I was surprised not to find a place of such idyllic loveliness marked upon my map. I have lived here all my life, he said with a sigh, and am never tired of coming back to it again. Aww. Then you no longer live in the immediate neighborhood?" I have moved, he said briefly, adding, after a pause in which his eyes seemed to wander wistfully to the wealth of blossoms beyond the window, but I am almost sorry, for nowhere else have I found the sunshine lie so warmly, the flowers smell so sweetly. Or the winds and streams make such tender music. Oh,
1: I want
0: to be there. Is this (laughs) Brigadoon? Did he stumble into Brigadoon?
1: Oh, no. Is this a (laughs) musical?
0: his voice died away into a thin stream of sound that lost itself in the rustle of the rose leaves climbing in at the window for he turned his head away from me as he spoke and looked out into the garden But it was impossible to conceal my surprise, and I raised my eyes in frank astonishment on hearing so poetic an utterance from such a figure of a man, though at the same time realizing that it was not in the least inappropriate and that, in fact, no other sort of expression could have properly been expected from him. "'I am sure you are right,' I answered at length when it was clear he had ceased speaking. "'Or there is something of enchantment here, of real fairy-like enchantment "'that makes me think of the visions of childhood days before one knew anything of—of—' "'I had been oddly drawn into his vein of speech, some inner force compelling me, But here the spell passed, and I could not catch the thoughts that had a moment before opened a long vista before my inner vision. To tell you the truth, I concluded lamely, the place fascinates me, and I am in two minds about going further. Even at this stage, I remember thinking it odd that I should be talking like this with a stranger whom I met in a country inn, for it was always been one of my failings that to strangers my manner is brief to surliness. It was as though we were figures meeting in a dream, speaking without sound, obeying laws not operative in the everyday working world and about to play with a new scale of space and time, perhaps. But my astonishment passed quickly into an entirely different feeling when I became aware that the old man opposite had turned his head from the window again and was regarding me with eyes so bright they seemed almost to shine with an inner flame. His gaze was fixed upon my face with an intense ardour, and his whole manner had suddenly become alert and concentrated. There was something about him I now felt for the first time that made little thrills of excitement run up and down my back.
1: He's having homoerotic <laughs> thoughts with <from> this guy. <laughs> He's like, Ooh, I like I like the forest of Arden here. <laughs> it's
0: Richard Gere.
1: Uh, Yeah, very true. (laughs) Again, again. We haven't cast the other guy yet because we haven't gotten a description. But, you know, it's Richard Gere and someone a little younger.
0: I met his look squarely, but with an inward tremor.
1: Yep. It's Richard Gere and Brad Pitt.
0: (laughs) It's Richard Gere and Nick Offerman.
1: Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. It's a weird gay couple, but I like it. It's like broke back a mountain, but like <laughs> but it's, it's the woods.
0: That would be a very different recast of that movie.
1: Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm so excited to find out what happens with these two in the tent.
0: <laughs> Stay then a little while longer he said in a much lower and deeper voice than before. Stay, and I will teach you something of the purpose of my coming.
1: (laughs) The purpose of my coming. (laughs) In a deep, low voice.
0: I think we just found the title of this episode.
1: I think we did. (laughs) Between... and the purpose of my coming. This one's winning right now. But
0: it gets better.
1: I'm so excited.
0: He stopped abruptly. I was conscious of a decided shiver. You have a special purpose, then, in coming back? I asked, hardly knowing what I was saying. To call away someone. He went on in that same thrilling voice. Someone who is not quite ready to come.
1: <laughs> this is, is this is a gay bar. Is, he, he wandered into like the local gay bar.
0: <laughs> yep. The gay bar in Brigadoon. Yes. Someone who is not quite ready to come, but who is needed elsewhere for a worthier purpose. <sighs> There was a sadness in his manner that mystified me more than ever. You mean, I began, with an unaccountable excess of trembling? I have come for someone who must soon move, even as I have moved. He looked me through and through with a dreadfully piercing gaze, But I met his eyes with a full straight stare, trembling though I was, and I was aware that something stirred within me that had never stirred before. Mm, Good lord, this is...
1: This This is dirty as hell.
0: This is is gay erotica. This
1: is either gay erotica or he's the grim reaper. (laughs)
0: One of, the, one of the Oh, two. no, I mean 100% he's the Grim Reaper.
1: Yeah, I think he is.
0: He's, he's dead and he's come to bring someone yeah, else yeah. to the other We're side. we already
1: there, but this is like gay erotica This is like super. Reaper. This is
0: supernatural gay erotica. It's
1: fucking awesome. Hey,
0: <laughs> if you're an artist...
1: Can you draw a picture you, of this meeting? Can
0: you... I, I would love to see um, an artistic rendering of um, hobo... Richard Gere picking up worldly Nick Offerman in a 19th century gay bar at a country inn in this supernatural Grim Reaper fantasy. So make that happen. I um, would, but I do not have the artistic skill to do I it myself. I
1: will watercolor that this week for sure. <laughs> Grim Reaper Gay erotica fantasy is my new favorite genre. (laughs) Grim Reaper gay erotica. Oh. Yes.
0: And I was aware that something stirred within me that had never stirred before, though for the life of me I could not have put a name to it or have analyzed its nature. Something lifted and rolled away... For one single second, I understood clearly that the past and the future exist actually side by side in one immense present, that it was I who moved to and fro among shifting protean appearances. The old man dropped his eyes from my face, and the momentary glimpse of a mightier universe passed utterly away. Reason regained its sway over a dull, limited kingdom.
1: Ooh, he like hypnotized him with his eyes. And now it's just back to normal.
0: Come tonight, (laughs) I heard the old man say. Come to me tonight into the wood of the dead. Come at midnight. (laughs) Involuntarily, I clutched the arm of the settle for support, for I then felt that I was speaking with someone who knew more of the real things that are and will be than I could ever know while in the body, working through the ordinary channels of sense. And this curious half-promise of a partial lifting of the veil had its undeniable effect upon me. The breeze from the sea had died away outside and the blossoms were still. A yellow butterfly floated lazily past the window. Alina
1: would be so excited. My kitty loves butterflies.
0: The songs of the birds hushed. I smelt the sea, I smelt the perfume of heated summer air rising from fields and flowers, the ineffable scents of June and of the long days of the year, and with it from countless green meadows beyond came the hum of myriad summer life, children's voices, sweet pipings, and the sound of water falling. I knew myself to be on the threshold of a new order of experience. Yeah, of you are an ecstasy.
1: Yeah, you are. This is hot. <laughs> I know it's a it's a scary story. <laughs> this is
0: fantastic.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> You're about to experience something brand new.
0: Something drew me forth with a sense of inexpressible yearning towards the being of this strange old man in the window seat, and for a moment I knew what it was to taste a mighty and wonderful sensation and to touch the highest pinnacle of joy I have ever known. It lasted for less than a second. Oh, that's disappointing. I mean, you get it. yeah. I mean, but less than a second. That's, that's, that's really real fast. fast.
1: That's real fast.
0: It lasted for less than a second and was gone. But in that brief instant of time, the same terrible lucidity came to me that had already shown me how the past and future exist in the present, and I realized and understood that pleasure and pain are one and the same force. So it's also a BDSM story.
1: Hot. This is getting better and better.
0: <laughs> For the joy I had just experienced included also all the pain I ever had felt or ever could feel.
1: Do you just die sitting there?
0: <laughs> the sunshine grew to dazzling radiance, faded, passed away. The shadows paused in their dance upon the grass, deepened a moment, and then melted into air. The flowers of the fruit trees laughed with their little silvery laughter as the wind sighed over their radiant eyes, the old, old tale of its personal love. Once or twice a voice called my name. A wonderful sensation of lightness and power began to steal over me. Suddenly the door opened and the innkeeper's daughter came in by all ordinary standards hers was a charming country loveliness born of the stars and wild flowers of moonlight shining through autumn mists upon the river and the fields yet by contrast with the higher order of beauty i had just momentarily been in touch with she seemed almost ugly
1: (laughs) wow That guy turned him quick. (laughs) (laughs) Work, countrified.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How dull her eyes, how thin her voice, how vapid her smile and insipid her whole presentment. For a moment, she stood between me and the occupant of the window seat while I counted out the small change for my meal and for her services. But when an instant later she moved aside, I saw that the settle was empty and that there was no longer anyone in the room but our two selves. This discovery was no shock to me. Indeed, I had almost expected it, and the man had gone just as a figure goes out of a dream, causing no surprise and leaving me as part and parcel of the same dream without breaking of continuity. But as soon as I had paid my bill and thus resumed in very practical fashion the thread of my normal consciousness, I turned to the girl and asked her if she knew the old man who had been sitting in the window seat and what he had meant by the wood of the dead. The maiden started visibly, glancing quickly around the empty room, but answering simply that she had seen no one. Yay! There I just. Dis- nobody there? <laughs> I described him in great detail, and then, as the description grew clearer, she turned a little pale under her pretty sunborn. Her
1: pretty sunborn?
0: <laughs> it says sunborn. I'm guessing it's sunburn. Oh. She turned a little pale under her pretty sunborn and said very gravely that it must have been the ghost. Uh. <laughs> ghost? What ghost? Oh the village ghost she said quietly <laughs> oh, coming you know. closer to my chair with a little nervous movement of genuine alarm and adding in a lower voice he comes before a death they say <gasps> it was not difficult to induce the girl to talk and the story she told me shorn of the superstition that had obviously gathered with the years round the memory of a strangely picturesque figure was an interesting and peculiar one. The inn, she said, was originally a farmhouse occupied by a yeoman farmer evidently of a superior, if rather eccentric, character who had been very poor until he reached old age. When a son died suddenly in the colonies and left him an unexpected amount of money, almost fortune. The old man thereupon altered no whit his simple manner of living, but devoted his income entirely to the improvement of the village and to the assistance of its inhabitants.
1: Oh, I love this man!
0: He did this quite regardless of his personal likes and dislikes, as if one and all were absolutely alike to him, objects of a genuine and impersonal benevolence.
1: Grim Reaper for president! (laughs) (laughs) This guy's guy's the best!
0: Village Ghost for president.
1: (laughs) Countrified Village Ghost for president.
0: People had always been a little afraid of the man, not understanding his eccentricities, but the simple force of this love for humanity changed all that in a very short space of time, and before he died, he came to be known as the father of the village and was held in great love and veneration by all. A short time before his end, however, he began to act queerly. He spent his money just as usefully and wisely, but the shock of sudden wealth after a life of poverty, people said, had unsettled his mind. He claimed to see things that others did not see, to hear voices and have visions. Evidently, He was not of the harmless, foolish, visionary order, but a man of character and of great personal force, for the people became divided in their opinions, and the vicar, good man, regarded and treated him as a special case. For many, his name and atmosphere became charged almost with a spiritual influence that was not of the best."
1: Screw the vicar.
0: <laughs> People quoted texts about him, kept when possible out of his way, and avoided his house after dark.
1: Oh, he's like crazy old Maurice now. <laughs> he crazy
0: went from, old he went Maurice. From like,
1: he went from like the like Jean Valjean mayor of the town. And so now like, he's Boo Radley. He's Boo Radley. Oh, yeah.
0: None understood him but though the majority loved him, an element of dread and mystery became associated with his name, chiefly owing to the ignorant gossip of the few. A grove of pine trees behind the farm, the girl pointed them out to me on the slope of the hill, he said was the wood of the dead, because just before anyone died in the village, he saw them walk into that wood, singing.
1: It is a musical! We were right! It's a musical!
0: <laughs> None who went in ever came out again. He often mentioned the names to his wife, who usually published them to all the inhabitants within an hour of her husband's confidence. And it was found that the people he had seen enter the wood died. On warm summer nights, he would sometimes take an old stick and wander out hatless under the pines, for he loved this wood and used to say he met all his old friends there and would one day walk in there, never to return. His wife tried to break him gently of this habit, but he always had his own way, And once, when she followed and found him standing under a great pine in the thickest portion of the grove, talking earnestly to someone she could not see, he turned and rebuked her very gently, but in such a way that she never repeated the experiment, saying, You should never interrupt me, Mary, when I am talking with the others, for they teach me. Remember wonderful things, and I must learn all I can before I join them.
1: The others? Now, there's a crazy <clears> movie <throat> that I haven't seen in a long time. That's what made me <laughs> think of. No, look, he's got to learn because he's going to take over. I or guess, like, or be the oh fuck yeah, cool. This is cool.
0: He's going to be- become their leader.
1: Uh oh. It's like it's a cult.
0: Ben Linus becoming the leader of the others. This story went like wildfire through the village, increasing with every repetition until at length everyone was able to give an accurate description of the great veiled figures the woman declared she had seen moving among the trees where her husband stood. The innocent pine grove now became positively haunted, and the title of Wood of the Dead clung naturally as if it had been applied to it in the ordinary course of events by the compilers of the Ordnance Survey. On the evening of his 90th birthday, the old man went up to his wife and kissed her. His manner was loving and very gentle, and there was something about him besides, she declared afterwards, that made her slightly in awe of him and feel that he was almost more of a spirit than a man. He kissed her tenderly on both cheeks, but his eyes seemed to look right through her as he spoke. "'Dearest wife,' he said, "'I am saying good-bye to you, for I am now going into the wood of the dead, and I shall not return.' Do not follow me, or send to search, but be ready soon to come upon the same journey yourself. The good woman burst into tears and tried to hold him, but he easily slipped from her hands, and she was afraid to follow him. Slowly she saw him cross the field in the sunshine and then enter the cool shadows of the grove, where he disappeared from her sight. my
1: god! Like crying.
0: <laughs> that same night, much later, she woke to find him lying peacefully by her side in bed with one arm stretched out towards her, dead.
1: I'm actually crying. <laughs> That's so beautiful and sad and. Okay.
0: Her story was half believed, half doubted at the time. But in a very few years afterwards, it evidently came to be accepted by all the countryside. A funeral service was held, which the people flocked in great numbers, and everyone approved of the sentiment which led the widow to add the words, the father of the village, after the usual texts, which appeared upon the stone over his grave. This, then, was the story I pieced together of the village ghost as the little innkeeper's daughter told it to me that afternoon in the parlor of the inn.
1: That innkeeper's daughter is super glad she was drinking beer. She had to, like, go <laughs> through all that. Eh. She's like, yeah, this is why I drink every day.
0: <laughs> but you're not the first to say you've seen him, the girl concluded, and your description is just what we've always heard And that window, they say, was just where he used to sit and think and think when he was alive, and sometimes, they say, to cry for hours together. And would you feel afraid if you had seen him? I asked, for the girl seemed strangely moved and interested in the whole story. I think so she answered timidly surely if he spoke to me he did speak to you didn't he sir she asked after a slight pause Uh, he said he had come for someone (laughs) come for someone she repeated did he say she went on falteringly No, no he did not say for whom I said quickly, noticing the sudden shadow on her face and the tremulous voice. Are you really sure, sir? Oh, quite sure, I answered cheerfully. I did not even ask him. The girl looked at me steadily for nearly a whole minute, as though there were many things she wished to tell me or to ask. But she said nothing and presently picked up her tray from the table and walked slowly out of the room. Instead of keeping my original purpose and pushing on... That girl was
1: like, "Mm, bye. (laughs) I'm out. I'm out. (laughs) Time to go get another beer.
0: Instead of keeping to my original purpose and pushing on to the next village over the hills, I ordered a room to be prepared for me at the inn. Yeah, you did. And that afternoon I spent wandering about the fields and lying under the fruit trees, watching the white clouds sailing out over the sea. The wood of the dead I surveyed from a distance. But in the village, I visited the stone erected to the memory of the father of the village, who was thus evidently no mythical personage, and saw also the monuments of his fine, unselfish spirit. The schoolhouse he built, the library, the home for the aged poor, and the tiny hospital. That night, as the clock in the church tower was striking half past eleven, I stealthily left the inn and crept through the dark orchard and over the hayfield in the direction of the hill whose southern slope was clothed with the wood of the dead.
1: Yeah, yeah, here we go.
0: A genuine interest impelled me to the adventure, but I also was obliged to confess to a certain sinking in my heart as I stumbled along over the field in the darkness, for I was approaching what might prove to be the birthplace of a real country myth and a spot already lifted by the imaginative thoughts of a considerable number of people into the region of the haunted and ill-omened. The inn lay below me, and all around it the village clustered in a soft black shadow unrelieved by a single light. The night was moonless, yet distinctly luminous, for the stars crowded the sky. The silence of deep slumber was everywhere, so still indeed that every time my foot kicked against a stone, I thought the sound must be heard below in the village and waken the sleepers. I climbed the hill, slowly, thinking chiefly of the strange story of the noble old man who had seized the opportunity to do good to his fellows the moment it came his way, and wondering why the causes that operate ceaselessly behind human life did not always select such admirable instruments. Once or twice a night bird circled swiftly over my head, but the bats had long since gone to rest. And there was no other sign of life stirring. Then, suddenly, with a singular thrill of emotion, I saw the first trees of the wood of the dead rise in front of me in a high black wall. Oh, shit. Their crests stood up like giant spears against the starry night. And though there was no perceptible movement of the air on my cheek... I heard a faint rustling sound among their branches as the night breeze passed to and fro over their countless little needles. A remote hushed murmur rose overhead and died away again almost immediately, for in these trees the wind seems to be never absolutely at rest. And on the calmest day, there is always a sort of whispering music among their branches. For a moment, I hesitated on the edge of this dark wood and listened intently.
1: Go inside. You know you want to.
0: (laughs) Delicate perfumes of earth and bark stole out to meet me. Impenetrable darkness faced me. Only the consciousness that I was obeying an order strangely given and including a mighty privilege enabled me to find the courage to go forward and step in boldly under the trees. Instantly, the shadows closed in upon me, and something came forward to meet me from the center of the darkness— it would be easy enough to meet my imagination halfway with fact and say that a cold hand grasped my own and led me by invisible paths into an unknown depth of the grove. But at any rate, without stumbling and always with the positive knowledge that I was going straight toward the desired object, I pressed on confidently and securely into the wood.
1: This man has balls <clears throat>
0: So dark was it that, at first, not a single starbeam pierced the roof of branches overhead, and as we moved forward side by side, the trees shifted silently past us in long lines, row upon row, squadron upon squadron, like the units of a vast, soundless army. And at length we came to a comparatively open space where the trees halted upon us for a while, and looking up, I saw the white river of the sky beginning to yield to the influence of a new light that now seemed spreading swiftly across the heavens. It is the dawn coming said the voice at my side that I certainly recognized, but which seemed almost like a whispering from the trees. And we are now in the heart of the wood of the dead. We seated ourselves. He,
1: he is a white walker. That's, he's what? It's he's like, a ghost. He's, he's leading them into the fucking wood of the dead. <clears throat>
0: We seated ourselves on a moss-covered boulder and waited the coming of the sun. With marvelous swiftness, it seemed to me, the light in the east passed into the radiance of early morning, and when the wind awoke and began to whisper in the treetops, the first rays of the risen sun fell between the trunks and rested in a circle of gold at our feet. Now... Come with me, whispered my companion in the same deep voice. For time has no existence here, and that which I would show you is already there. We trod gently and silently over the soft pine needles. Already the sun was high over our heads, and the shadows of the trees coiled closely about their feet. The wood became denser again, but occasionally we passed through little open bits where we could smell the hot sunshine and the dry-baked pine needles. Then, presently, we came to the edge of the grove, and I saw a hayfield lying in the blaze of day, and two horses basking lazily with switching tails in the shafts of a laden hay wagon. So complete and vivid was the sense of reality that I remember the grateful realization of the cool shade where we stood and looked out upon the hot world beyond. The last pitchfork had tossed up its fragrant burden, and the great horses were already straining in the shafts after the driver as he walked slowly in front with one hand upon their bridles. He was a stalwart fellow with a sunburned neck and hands. Then, for the first time, I noticed, perched aloft upon the trembling throne of hay, the figure of a slim young girl. (gasps) I could not see her face, but her brown hair escaped in disorder from the white sunbonnet, and her still browner hands held a well-worn hayrake. She was laughing and talking with the driver, and he, from time to time, cast up at her ardent glances of admiration, glances that won instant smiles and soft blushes in response. The cart presently turned into the roadway that skirted the edge of the wood where we were sitting. I watched the scene with intense interest and became so much absorbed in it that I quite forgot the manifold strange steps by which I was permitted to become a spectator.
1: What the fuck's going on?
0: Come down and walk with me, cried the young fellow, stopping a moment in front of the horses and opening wide his arms. Jump, I'll catch you. Oh, oh," she laughed, and her voice sounded to me as the happiest, merriest laughter I had ever ever heard from a girl's throat oh that's all very well but remember I'm queen of the hay and I must ride.
1: I bet she is queen of the hay. Hey hey.
0: (laughs) Uh, Then I must come and ride beside you he cried and began at once to climb up by way of the driver's seat But with a peal of silvery laughter, she slipped down easily over the back of the hay to escape him and ran a little way along the road. I could see her quite clearly and noticed the charming natural grace of her movements and the loving expression in her eyes as she looked over her shoulder to make sure he was following. Evidently, she did not wish to escape for long, certainly not forever. In two strides, the big swain was after her, leaving the horses to do as they pleased. Another second, and his arms would have caught the slender waist and pressed the little body to his heart. But just at that instant, the old man beside me uttered a peculiar cry. It was low and thrilling, and it went through me like a sharp sword. He had called her by her own name, and she had heard. For a second, she halted, glancing back with frightened eyes. Then, with a brief cry of despair, the girl swerved aside and dived in swiftly among the shadows of the trees. But the young man saw the sudden movement and cried out to her passionately, "'Not that way, my love, not that way! It's the wood of the dead!' She threw a laughing glance over her shoulder at him, and the wind caught her hair and drew it out in a brown cloud under the sun. But the next minute she was close beside me, lying on the breast of my companion, and I was certain I heard the words repeatedly uttered with many sighs. "'Father, you called, and I have come, and I come willingly, for I am very, very tired.' At any rate, so the words sounded to me, and mingled with them I seemed to catch the answer in that deep, thrilling whisper I already knew. You shall sleep, my child, sleep for a long, long time, until it is time for you to begin the journey again. In that brief second of time, I had recognized the face and voice of the innkeeper's daughter.
1: Yep, yep. Oh, i knew
0: it no. but the next minute a dreadful wail broke from the lips of the young man and the sky grew suddenly as dark as night the wind rose and began to toss the branches about us and the whole scene was swallowed up in a wave of utter blackness again the chill fingers seemed to seize my hand And I was guided by the way I had come to the edge of the wood and crossing the hayfields still slumbering in the starlight. I crept back to the inn and went to bed.
1: Oh, my God. Goosebumps.
0: A year later, I happened to be in the same part of the country, and the memory of the strange summer vision returned to me with the added softness of distance. I went to the old village and had tea under the same orchard trees at the same inn. But the little maid of the inn did not show her face, and I took occasion to inquire of her father as to her welfare and her whereabouts. <laughs> Married, no doubt, I laughed, Oh God! but with a strange feeling that clutched my heart. No, sir replied the innkeeper sadly, not married, though she was just going to be, but dead. She got a sunstroke in the hayfields just a few days after you were here, if I remember rightly, and she was gone from us in less than a week. Oh, my God.
1: That's the end? <laughs> <laughs> ew, ew. <laughs> oh, my God! So he just, like, invited him along to, like, watch what he does? To witness? Oh, my God.
0: That's odd. That's creepy. No, you know what it is? He's... he, he He was invited in to witness, much like... The old man started being invited, invited in. to witness the people who come. Kind of, so like, this they're is they're like
1: they're like uh, grooming is, the next. This is the, the beginning
0: of passing the torch,
1: passing the Grim Reaper torch. Yeah. Oh, passing the sickle. Oh my god. Okay that 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 one took some that one took some turns. Took I went, some turns. That was... went from like like a fun little seaside journey to like a gay erotica novel to like <laughs> <laughs> the Grim Reaper uh, and buddy and oh shit oh i knew it was the innkeeper's daughter when i saw like a girl i was like oh fuck
0: oh it's gonna be her it's It's gonna gonna be her her. it's gonna be her
1: and she was like bye i don't want to be a part of this oh man
0: yeah
1: whoo that was fun there was some really really pretty lines in there. there was some
0: beautiful imagery that motherfucker does not like short sentences. He does
1: not like periods.
0: Does as, not as like his his sentences, they would go on for a long time. And I found like I was I felt like I was being forced to read slowly and look ahead so that I could like Put where the, plan where I was gonna um break shake- up thoughts. Like, how far is this going? Good lord, how is this dude still talking? He
1: likes Shakespeare apparently. Yeah. <laughs> long thoughts. Ooh, spooky! <laughs>
0: well, this is the beginning of the Halloween season. It
1: is. It is.
0: This is the first episode we've released in Halloween month.
1: October <laughs>
0: Although we've actually we've already yeah, been doing we, a lot of spooky stories yeah, leading up to that's this. That's
1: kind of so. what we do. Uh, but we're gonna focus on that this this for the month, you know, because. Yeah. You know.
0: We'll focus on ghost stories, and then we'll try to get back to to some to
1: some ridiculous comedies
0: and whatnot in November. Yeah.
1: And there was plenty of comedy in this one. <laughs> 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 Remember, might, hashtag might been, countrified.
0: Might might not have been author's intent comedy, but
1: that's okay. He's dead. <laughs> that's why we we don't why try to is. offend uh, current authors because uh, we might. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but I really enjoyed the story, so. Uh, If you're interested in like checking us out, go to our website, go to our Twitter, go to our Facebook, go to our Instagram. You can find us all over the place. Just like Google Campfire Classics Podcast, you'll find us and we'll be there for you.
0: But more importantly, um, because if you've listened this far, you've already checked us out uh share this with someone you know yeah um i realize that the odds that more than one or two listeners have continued listening past the end of the story is pretty slim you've probably hit the like advance advance we're advance like, button oh they're gonna do
1: advertisements we're now. skipping we on the next thing yet.
0: um but so we're advertising
1: uh, ourselves so
0: we're advertising for ourselves because this is the, the, the boring wrap-up part, so... Help
1: us get to advertisers by sharing with all the people you know that you think yeah. might like this. Share this with friends. It'd be super cool. It'd you. be a really great it, for Ken's birthday.
0: Share this with friends for my birthday. Yeah. And then tell me who you shared it with, and that'll be my birthday present. There you go. You owe me. You know you owe me.
1: I mean... He did somehow get through most of that story without breaking into like full-on laughter, as I was like stifling laughter <laughs> in the corner. So, I owe him at least. But I'm already here, so
0: um, you already listened to the show.
1: I, I, I definitely did. I am excited to listen back. Hashtag countrified. <laughs> uh, That's it.
0: That yeah. It. Hey, you're cool.
1: Become a patron. Check us out on Facebook. Find us. Love us. Because we love you. Stay awesome. And the world needs love right now. So.
0: What the world needs, needs now, is now is love, sweet, sweet love. love. It's the only thing Boom. that there's just Boom. too it's little of. Love.
1: What the world needs now I'm just
0: gonna fade is out on love,
1: this. sweet love. for tuning
0: in. This has been Campfire Classics where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf.